Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz on the phone lines with me, as always. And this podcast is going to be recruiting, and then I guess we'll still call it recruiting, but talking about the summer enrollees, a.k.a. the 2019 signing the, the class that did not enroll early. Uh, it's interesting, you know, Steve just mentioned this right before the show started, that we haven't really talked about them very much. So we'll talk about that in the second half. But in the first half, Michigan has picked up three, if I'm not mistaken, three 2020 commitments in the last uh, 10 days or so. Obviously, we were busy with the coach, you know, Michigan basketball hiring Joan Howard, um, some of the other topics that were going on. But you know, we, we and Steve, you you called this. It happens every year. People ask, hey, what's going on on the recruiting front? Doesn't seem like they're they're picking up that many commits. And then they come back from South Africa and pick up three. Uh, and, and there might be even more coming if you go look at the crystal ball page. Uh, I'm going to guess. I mean, I asking one to ten, how surprised are you? But it, I mean, they are pick. They are starting to pick up some of these commitments and they are starting to come more frequently. Is this non-surprising at all i mean do you expect more to come is this a little sooner because they are at nine commitments now which i think is ahead of where they are some years uh anything to note as far as getting three commitments no i mean just that this is that time of the year where things are heating up just for everybody because of the early official visit period you know like mcgregor committing i think he'd already taken two i think he took one to notre dame and took one to florida you know, so it's that point of the process for these upcoming, incoming or upcoming seniors. You know, these guys have been already been recruited forever. You know, so a lot of these guys already have a good idea of who. I mean, Zach Zinter took like 50 visits. I feel like probably exaggerating there, but you know, you get my drift. Like he took a ton of visits to a lot of different schools. I think Zach Zinter had a pretty decent idea of what schools he liked and and what where his recruitment kind of stands. You know, so it's kind of a deal where. Why waste any more time? You know, I, now I can focus on my senior season, which again is why I would expect, you know, many more prospects to make decisions before like August, maybe even before July. You know, June is always a month where I think there are a lot of verbal commitments again because of that early official visit period. So, you know, and, and I, I would, history says Michigan would be a beneficiary of, you know, some more verbals in that time period just because again they're going to be hosting a lot of guys this month for officials and you know again more and more kids are deciding earlier and earlier because they've been through the process for so long already yeah yeah all right let's run through these three commitments real quick doesn't have to be uh super super in-depth analysis because they're they still have their senior seasons to go but uh start with zach zinter out of cambridge massachusetts uh offensive tackle four-star I believe outside the top 250, but kind of in that 250 to 300 range. Bigger than I think Michigan's been taking at tackle lately, already at 300 pounds, but um, he did commit. As you said, he, he seemed to kind of know what he wanted early on. Uh, your thoughts on, on his game and also Michigan landing him, uh, the continuing, it, it appears, that, that New England pipeline that they've developed. Right, so... Yeah, Zinter was a guy, uh, we had him listed as a top target for months. You know, I think the fun, the interesting thing with him, uh, he visited Michigan really early in the process. They didn't offer. Uh, I think Michigan actually came in 
late relative to some other programs that he ended up considering, like Notre Dame, Penn State, and some others. Uh, again, for some reason, people wanted to focus on the situation with Notre Dame with, as far as I think a lot of people thought he was favoring Notre Dame, but they may be full on the offensive line or, or narrowed, narrowed it down to one or two guys for like their last spot. You know, to me, it's, that's dumb. Uh, he's a guy that Michigan wanted the entire time was a top target. So I guess I'd never really wonder why or, or look at it as a negative that maybe another school didn't have room for him. Uh, doesn't really mean anything as far as Michigan goes. You know, like he's a guy that they've wanted badly for a long time. I don't. I also don't think he's pegged as a tackle for sure. I think he's more of the right. malleable guy. I always call him the malleable guys, the guys that could really play maybe anywhere. I think he's. I don't know if he's a center necessarily, but he's probably he could play guard or tackle at Michigan. I think that's one of those get him there figure it out later type deals so, he seems to have a similar yeah. build to bradison and filiaga two guys who were listed as tackles well, that, and then they then they got bumped inside yeah uh kind of in between those guys i want to say ben was not as quite as big okay um but then chuck was bigger mm-hmm. i mean they I mean, he was called big chuck <laughs> uh, so you know, so like not so he's kind of in between as far as that goes, but yeah, I mean similar in that you know, those two guys very similar as far as you know, wasn't a hundred percent sure where they'd play before mm-hmm. they got to Michigan. You know, I think most people thought Ben would be a tackle. Filiaga uh, probably was maybe destined for guard but was recruited at tackle, you know, that type of deal. So, you know, and again they take a few of these types every cycle. I think Jack Stewart, similar to this last cycle, and guys like Carson Barnhart, you know, as far as, you know, guys who could maybe play guard, play tackle, play anywhere across the line. You know, so for, for Michigan, I think, you know, two guys in Zinter and Mezcula are going to take a little bit longer to develop, you know, but guys that could potentially play either spot if, if called upon. So mm-hmm. they have this nice, vers- nice versatility on the offensive line right now. Now I think they can kind of go after some, uh, even bigger names, but again, though Zinter's a guy that they wanted the entire time. This isn't a, uh, you know, he's a he. We again, we had him listed as a top target for what four or five months at least, if not longer. Yeah, so that's yeah. a big pickup. It's always a significant pickup when they reel in one of those guys. Well, top three hundred is top three hundred. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of teams are after those guys. So, uh, yeah, no, I it's it's interesting because this guy also his commitment also got overshadowed, uh, but Nikai Hill Green out of the St. Francis school that Biff Pogey's at. Uh, I think, what, 15 players from that school have Michigan offers, so um, clearly something I mean, Michigan, I don't, I assume they want to get their hands on as many of those guys as they can, uh, but high three-star, you know, top 400, um, could could move up maybe outside linebacker, 6'1", uh, 230, you know, not a, not a Viper, definitely a true, true linebacker, um, Actually, from Pittsburgh, I think he went to St. Francis to get better competition in front of him. Yep. Uh, I guess your, your your thoughts on his commitment and his game? Yeah, so I think the biggest – so basically what I was told with him is that they're obviously – and again, I mean, this goes for any guy they take, I think. Uh, but there's definitely some hope that this guy can play at a high level. I think the biggest question with him is maybe some some speed – uh, but I think he's fast enough where they think they can continue to develop it and turn him into a player. So 
I think he's a guy that might end up being one of those underrated guys in this class. You know, again, one probably, let's look up at the at the verbal list, really probably the one with the least fanfare. I mean, it did kind of come out of nowhere a little bit. I know he announced a top group like the Sunday before. You know, and I, th- I think there was some question for a little bit if he was a guy that they would take or not because they're still in on some other linebackers. But, you know, they only signed – Really, they only signed McGrone in 18. And I'm thinking 19, you had Velasquez and Solomon, and that may have been it. I mean, so the so linebacker, quietly, kind of a, a position. Again, Velasquez and Solomon both kind of project to Viper, too, right? I mean, so mm-hmm. you could argue that linebacker, just from a number standpoint, is is a big need in this class. I think maybe it's probably even, I'm guilty of this, haven't talked about that enough, actually. It's a spot where I think they need some bodies. Well, they've got uh, three now, right? Good. With Cornell Wheeler and Osman Savage. Yeah, yep. So they, have, so they have three so far. I don't think they're done. Um, whether that's more of an Uche style going forward or if they take another like true, maybe interior type guy, I'm not sure. Um, for my two cents, I think Hill Green is the best prospect right now of the three that they have verbally committed. Um, but again, that's that doesn't really mean much, you know, with right. these guys having enrolled or whatever. But uh, maybe just to give people more of an idea of where this commitment kind of stands, you know, I think it's a pretty solid uh, addition for them for sure, and it. That doesn't hurt their standing in St. Francis, even though, yeah, he just transferred there, you know, so I don't know. I think if he is still in Pittsburgh, they may have still got him because he was very interested in Michigan from the get-go. So, um, nice pickup, nice addition for sure. We have him as a four-star, too. I know the composite has him as a three, but we have him as a four. You know, so, I mean, our guys our guys feel, what? what oh, I'm just thinking back to when someone commented on your tweet of the story, and they're like, oh, so we're uh, just making yeah, up stars now? And you had to point out. I'm sure you can count these four stars here on our site. Yeah. So, um, tweeted him that Sesame Street song to count yeah. how to count to four. <laughs> yeah, what an idiot! Like, just go to the profile. Like, it's not that. Like, do a little bit of work. You know, like yeah. um, I know that's hard to ask people to Google things sometimes or to click on a link, but um, yeah, I mean, he's a. Our, it's almost like you know, a lot of times, like I err towards what we have them ranked. You know, like. More so now, our, yeah. Our, our, yeah, because our evaluators do such a great job. Um, you know, I lean towards what we have the guy mm-hmm. ranked as, right? You know, and so uh, that's whatever, though. Yeah, what a, oh. what a clown. He never responded either, I don't think, so no. of course. So. Um, re- regarding follow what 24-7 sports ranks them as instead of the composite, uh, that actually does segue into our, our third guy, Braden McGregor, out of Port Huron. In our rankings, he's 28th. Um, you know, in the composite, he's lower. I would expect that to change. I don't know if everyone's going to have him in the top 30, but uh, certainly, as you've said all along, this is Michigan's top target. It's it's he's first on their board. Uh, he's absolutely who they want, and they got him early. You know, and he'll be a big name that can that can maybe you know the the recruits recruiting recruits and things like that. But it's it's you know, it's, a, it's probably the big win of the class, right? You know, I don't know how close oh, he yeah. was with Notre Dame. It sounds like it was a silent a couple weeks ago, but it's um, it's it's a big get. Very. No, it's, 
I mean, of the guys that they've gotten so far, I mean, this is by far their biggest recruiting win for sure. You'd almost argue what Zinter and McGregor really are the only two. But Hill Green, maybe. But everyone else that committed, I just, I don't know if there was ever really much of a battle. Mm-hmm. You know, Selden was going to Michigan the second he got the offer. Mm-hmm. Savage, I think. Well, I mean, Don Brown was scouting Osmond Savage when he was in eighth grade, you know, and I think there was a connection there. Patterson kind of explains itself. Right. <laughs> J.D. Johnson jumped. J.D. Johnson jumped on his offer, as did Wheeler. You know, so it's like there haven't been really any what I would say are hard-fought recruiting victories yet at this point. But McGregor's was a was one for sure, and it was a very significant one. You know, Notre Dame did a really good job in making this like a, a race. I think after McGregor visited, so I crystal balled him in February. I know they felt really, really good about where they stood after that visit. That's why, obviously, it's why I made the prediction. But Notre Dame, like, really, I know he said he was always Michigan. I'm not 100% sure if that's, you know, totally true as far as, like, there's no doubt that Notre Dame made him think for a while. I mean, they, again, Mike Elston did a really good job there. Definitely made it a race for a while. And, uh, but still, I mean, well, you can see the, you know, he was cool enough. I think it's really neat that he posted the video of the moment he committed. Uh, you don't get to see that, like, ever, let alone a guy that, again, like I said, at a time when people laughed at me for it, that he was the number one overall target on their recruiting board. Uh, you know, so to get a, first-hand glimpse of the coach's reaction when he tells him that he's going to commit to Michigan. I mean, if that that gives you a good idea how badly, you know, they wanted to add him to the class. So, um, could be a first-year type guy, I think. Um, maybe has a little development to go, but again, I, I think Allen compared him to maybe like a slightly skinnier Aiden Hutchinson, hmm, okay. which You'll take that all day, every day, uh, you know. And Isn't so, he already kind of getting bigger, too? What's that? Isn't Braden already getting kind of bigger, too? Obviously, Aiden Hutchinson has gotten yeah. bigger, too, but, yeah. Right. He's got, yeah, and he's got the frame. He's got one of those frames to keep building, too, you know. And, again, I mean, I, I don't know if they'll, if a, will they need a, you know, I get, I mean, you always, you always take an instant impact guy. You know, and I think, but I think he can get into shape to be one either way, whether it's a huge need next year or not. Mm-hmm. So, so, I can't really understate. Well, I mean, again, he's, I, I said he's their top overall target because defensive end is a big need in this class, and he's in state, and he's really good. Yeah. So it's you know, <laughs> kind of hard to understate. You know, it's kind of hard to understate the impact of getting the number one guy on your board. You mm-hmm. know, so. Big win for them. Nice to get it wrapped up early. And again, I don't anticipate he's a guy that's going to visit or look around at all. I think he's, I think he's going to be fully committed. You know, he's going to play for Michigan next year. So, you know, that's good to have that one locked up. You know, now they can go after Antoine Powell and uh, guys like that. You know, and try to kind of keep this, keep up a good defensive line. At least build off a great start. I guess would be the best way to put it on the uh, defensive line. Okay, so. I know it's probably a very annoying question, you know, the what's next type questions, but 
they do have some momentum. You know, they're clearly, I mean, not like these are guys that it was a question about them taking commitments, but they're clearly getting commitments, and it's it's clearly getting to that time of year. I would be surprised if they have the, what, eight commits in a week like they did last summer, last June. But what does this next month look like for, for Michigan in recruiting? And uh, I know there's been recent crystal ball moves for um, A.J. Henning and then Mohan, the three-star athlete. I believe a crystal ball was put in for him uh, the other day. So it's uh, what does it look like? Are there are there prospects or visits that are coming up that that fans should keep an eye on or or check out our site to to get the latest on? Is is this a? I know June isn't going to be what it was maybe in 2016 and 2017 with the satellite camps, but uh, it is a busy month for Michigan in recruiting. Yeah, so like I'm not big on like momentum. It's just more about that this is a time of the year where a lot of kids decide. Right. Like I don't think. Braden McGregor committing is going to be the reason why X, Y, and Z may could commit in June. And again, sure. again don't don't take X, Y, Z to mean that I think Michigan's getting three commitments in June. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I just just the idea that you know, like a one commitment leads to another, whatever. It's just more about going back to what I said about these guys have just been through the process for so long at this point that June get it done and you can focus on your senior season so the big obviously the big storyline in june though will be the official visits i mean that's really what it comes down to you got guys like jordan morant coming back again uh mitchell melton uh, he's a guy that i don't think we've talked about enough as a top target out of good counsel which good counsel's pumped out a lot of big name players over the years guys like kendall fuller at cornerback uh i know dorino daniel i don't think he ended up being like a big-time guy, but was an old Michigan target at linebacker for good counsel, you know, and if they can reel in a few more of these guys and kind of, you know, have a solid foundation of the class heading into the season. It's like, you know, if you get a guy that's verbally committed, you know, I know there are decommitments every cycle, but it's always kind of easier to hang on to a guy if he's already verbally committed than not, you know, as far as the season starts, teams play, some teams win, some teams lose, and the kids just have more time to think, you know, about what they're doing and, and you know it's in the staff's best interest to try to wrap up some of these recruitments if they can I mean I don't think they're gonna push guys to commit necessarily you know but if there's somebody they feel good about maybe they can close a few deals here and like I said maybe just build a bigger foundation heading into uh, the actual season all right cool so with that that does it for the 2020 discussion okay picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, We can move to the 2019 crop. Because we've talked to plenty about the, the early enrollees. Obviously, Mike Zaner still made a lot of noise. Matsy Smith made a lot of noise. Um, uh, now, Eric All. Eric, Eric All. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, you know, Charbonnet was hurt, but made an impression. Uh, I was just thinking about this earlier today. I mean, he was telling, he, you know, Ben Mason was like seeing Zach Charbonnet and being like, oh, man, I got to maybe be a little bit more focused on learning things. You know, it's like he's got he's got a little bit of that Ben Mason focus on getting better to him 
uh, even when he's when he's hurt with a with a planned operation. You know, Michigan wanted him on campus for that operation. Uh, so anyway, um, you know, we've talked a little bit about the the early enrollees or the as Michigan calls them the mid year enrollees. But as you noted, you got some of the 2019 guys arriving on campus. If if they aren't here now, they'll be here by the end of the weekend. Um, it's a it's a good class. You know, it's a top ten class. There's lots of big names and and again if someone like you know we so far even some of the lower ranked guys have already made the biggest impact like Sainra still so it's it's a class that you can probably feel pretty good can make an impact early and make a difference early on right you could you could argue that you know you could argue that Sainra still in all had the best springs of any of their I mean Mozzie's probably right there too but I mean you could argue though that all and Sainra still had the two best spring camps of, of any of their eight guys that enrolled early and they're two of the three lowest ranked guys mm-hmm. out of that group you know and uh so yeah i mean there's there's again there's always when you sign a lot this many kids there's always potential that you know you're gonna uncover some diamonds in the rough or whatever but uh you know yeah it's a quite a group the, the 18 coming in would, would be a high ranked class on their own i feel like so yeah yeah so let's talk about it a little bit i mean obviously uh, the positions of need will probably play more. I mean, I'm looking at guys like Chris Hinton, uh, who comes from a very football family. Uh, seems like a very high floor. I don't know what his ceiling is, but at least high floor type player. High ceiling? Yeah. Bold. Yeah. He's a high floor, high ceiling. Guy. I mean, he's a top 50 recruit, so that right. says what needs to be said. Uh, Daxton Hill uh, might be Michigan's best safety prospect and in, in who knows how long uh you know one of the best players in the country you know coming in at least for his grade um uh giles jackson i know is a guy everyone's really excited about the offensive linemen don't know what, if they're year one guys but it wouldn't be the first time you know caesar ruiz snuck in there uh ben bredesen got some run you know on wainu uh mason cole Started from day one, didn't miss a beat. So it's it's possible. I guess who are some of the guys that you're looking at as as maybe keep an eye on them as possible two deep additions uh, as as they get acclimated in June and July. Well, I mean, I think you you automatically have to throw. Let's just remove Hill and Hinton from the equation because it's kind of a given that they're at least going to get the opportunity to be, you know, on the field immediately. Hill in particular, right? I mean, there's right. a very good chance that Hill could win the job outright mm-hmm. begin the season, whether that's nickel or at free. You know, in my opinion, and I think the other one you kind of just got to throw in there automatically just because the scheme is Giles Jackson. You know, you see what Sainer still did to begin his Michigan career. And again, I mean, we haven't played any games yet or anything, but, but he garnered as much hype as any player I remember uh, during a, a camp session. And, and Jackson has a very similar skill set, you know, was a much more highly regarded recruit, you know. And so that, it, it'll be really interesting to see what he kind of does coming in. The other guy for me is – and again, they're deep at receiver, but Cornelius Johnson, man, like I, I still think that that was a really, really big addition for them. I think he has a chance to be a very, very good player 
for them uh, in the next few years. And, and again, they're really deep, right? I mean, right. It's, it's, receiver is one of their deepest spots. And it, so maybe I'm trying to kind of pick a dark horse deal here because offensive line, I think they're going to hope that they can redshirt all six guys. I mean, I feel like they're in a position to, for once, mm-hmm. to you know possibly get away with redshirting all six of these guys. You know, but again, you never know. You know, you might have a guy walk in, and that's what, and that's where, again, that's where they're in such a great position up front. Maybe you have someone walk in, they're a stud. You know, maybe a Trent Jones walks in and competes at right tackle right away. You know what I mean? Or maybe Nolan Rumler fights his way into the two deep. You know, I think that's a possibility. Like he's, you know, you talk about a high floor. You know, Rumler's got about as high a floor as anybody in this class. So. You know, so but again, Cornelius Johnson, kind of my dark horse there. There's a few guys too, I would kind of classify as like mysteries. Is like I'm really interested to see how Mike Morris develops. Same with Charles Thomas. You know, Charles Thomas was committed for like two years, maybe maybe even longer if I remember right. I don't know. He's committed forever. But was a guy that never really got a ton of hype but is a guy that they loved on the interior. And uh, so I'm interested to see, you know, how he comes along. Same with Jack Stewart, you know, as a guy, I think that there's a lot of, you know, we talk about Malleable, uh, you know, as a guy that could play, end up playing for maybe even any of the five positions. So, um, yeah, I mean, my dark horse, I guess, has got to be, it's going to be Cornelius Johnson, but again, there are, that's the thing is like if you kind of going into the season, you kind of finally feel like they have a deep roster almost across the board. You know where it's where it's going to take one of these guys. If one of these guys comes in and breaks the outside of like we'll say running back right with Charbonnet, who I think as long as he's a hundred percent is probably going to play a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But. You know, outside of that, and then Hill, just because he's that talented. But what, so on that same kind of on that same plane is that it's going to take somebody to come in and play at like a Hill type level to even be in the conversation, just because they've developed so much depth at so many different spots. You know, um, maybe corner, I guess, is a place where somebody could sneak in. So well, and I was just going to say my. My dark horse, not that I studied recruiting, didn't, you know, watch everybody's film, but I know Zordich went out of his way to mention DJ Turner as yeah. someone he's excited to get on campus, you know, and, and Zordich, you know, he's a straight shooter. I mean, he basically, if he doesn't think you're up to snuff, he kind of says it. And so for Turner, for Zordich to go out of his way to mention Turner, I don't think you know, the fact that he's enrolling late or the fact that he's a lower-rated recruit, I think I think this might be one of those Zordich guys that as long as he's willing to put in the work, kind of similar to Vincent Gray, where it's like, you know, he, he, might, he might move up. I mean, Vincent Gray had a lot of guys in front of him. They don't have quite as many, you know, Brandon Watson and David Long are gone. If, if DJ Turner comes in and makes noise... I don't think it's out of the question that he could he could be battling for a job. Yeah, I agree, uh, especially when you consider Turner's recruitment, you know, being a guy that really another three-star guy at cornerback who was a top target. We had him listed as a top target 
way before we knew he was going to go to Michigan and, and way before he committed to the staff. So, you know, I agree that he's another guy, you know, who could, you know, could keep, could maybe sneak in there and make some noise early on. You know, Jalen Perry maybe a little bit of a head start, obviously, with spring ball under his belt. But, you know, Turner, yeah, again, he was a guy that we knew was at, near at the top of their board really, like, very, very early. Earlier than most of the other guys that committed, to be honest with you. I mean, he was a guy identified right away as somebody that they wanted badly. So, Yeah, yeah. So anyone anyone else? I mean, we haven't talked too much. Uh, you know, someone like um, Quentin Johnson, is that a position that, that they could potentially use him? Anthony Solomon was a guy that, um, you know, maybe, maybe he's involved early on. Uh, anyone else stand out from this group? And, and maybe another question is, is there anyone who um, you think if they do X – could could immediately vault into things like like there's one big question mark about them that they could have addressed. Anyone else on that list? What you know, we talk about Sanderson and, and Jackson, but what about George Johnson too? You know, um, now he's a guy. I think there may be some jockeying there between the offensive and defensive coaches. Okay. As far as will he be receiver or cornerback, I, I expect him to play on the offensive side of the ball. I believe that's the current plan. they got to send again, some of these guys to the defensive side, right? <laughs> well, well, that's what I wondered, too. Well, that's what I was going to say. That stuff can change at the drop of a hat. I mean, Michael Bar- uh, Barrett was going to be an offensive guy all the way. Now uh, they love what he's doing at linebacker, you know. And so, you know, Johnson's another guy. Really, you know, a, a guy – I know Andrew, I think I may have mentioned this before, I know Andrew Ivins from our Miami affiliate who has seen Johnson a handful of times. Uh, he said he'd have ranked him as a four-star prospect for sure. Hmm. And people got to remember, you know, not only it was Florida, you know, they beat Florida State head-to-head in that one, but not only was Florida State involved, but Georgia was involved too, and he was definitely a take for Georgia at the time. You know, so quietly, you know, a nice little recruiting win there. And again, they were able to hang on to him. You know, I think he grew up a Florida fan. I don't know if they ever made a run at him or not. Um, but still, you know, to keep a guy from South Florida in the boat for as long as they did with him, you know, I think is also significant. So, you know, those offensive, like, weapon-type guys with Gaddis, you know, it's always – got to always think that any of those guys are a possibility. You know, it's just because of the way they're used. You don't know, you know, at this point how the skill sets – compare to one another, you know, so with me, especially to see Saner still walk in and immediately look like a guy that they may use, to me, I think you got to keep the door open for Jackson and Johnson both, you mm-hmm. know, as far as potential guys who could, you know, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't predict it, you know, necessarily, but I think the door has got to be left open there for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and I think if you're a fan that's like, oh, you know, I'll such and such came with no fanfare. They didn't have big offers. I mean, Sainer still's literally an example right in front of your eyes. Uh, not a, I mean, you know, Michigan liked, it was the same story. Three star, but Michigan really liked him. Didn't quite know which position, uh, but I think they've got some guys who can just make plays in this, in this class. And um, one name we didn't mention who is worth mentioning, Mike Dana, the central Michigan graduate transfer, um, you know, not sure what to expect, but I, I still don't think they pursue him as a grad transfer, and I don't think he comes to Michigan if 
there isn't a mutual belief he can be in the two deep. Um, I don't know. Have you have have you heard anything from sources or anything about what the what the expectations are? Because I know PFF loves him. Uh, right. He did he did struggle against Michigan State in that in when they played last year. So it's not a given that he translates to Big Ten play. But is there any sense you know? Because he's he's been I assume he's been doing workouts and has been uh, you know in contact with Michigan's staff and trying to figure out how to make sure make the most out of this transition this final year. Uh, do you have any sense for what he can bring early on uh, when he when he arrives in well either this week or next week? I mean, they definitely believe that he can contribute for sure. So, you know, I not something we've maybe always heard about other grad transfers, right? Okay. You know, and the thing with the thing, Michigan State. I mean, Dana was by far their best player. They're probably they probably keyed on him all game. I mean, I just you know, again, I mean, yeah. So he struggled against the best competition he probably played last year. But at the same time, I mean, the whole if you're team Michigan did. State or any. Yeah, if you're Michigan State or any other team, I mean, he's probably the guy, number one guy on your list that you want to stop. So I sure, I'm sure they paid a little bit more attention to him at Michigan. It, you could argue it may almost be the opposite. I mean, he may kind of be a guy that'll have a lot of one-on-one opportunities on the edge. You know, I mean, with Pay and uh, Uche and and Hutchinson, you know, among others. So I don't know. I mean, how do you kind of gauge it, right? I mean, is it? Is his impact going to be somewhere in between maybe what Jake Rudock gave them and then what guys like Casey Hughes and Wayne Lyons did? You know, I mean, it, I, I don't believe he'll be part of the latter group. I mean, I definitely think he's going to give them something. You know, it's just kind of hard uh, to know exactly what that is, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I mean. Though, yeah. I agree. I fully, but real quick, though, I fully agree with what you said as far as Especially with what, you know, it is a little bit of a need, you know, uh, nice to have a two, good two deep on the edge on both sides. Is like, I don't think they'd have taken this on if they didn't, re- yeah, like if they did not think that this guy, not saying that like some of the others that they took them on knowing they wouldn't, you know, you, know, you get what I'm saying? Like, but I, I think with him, I think the skill set's there. And here's the thing, man, if he had stuck at Central, his draft stock probably would have been pretty solid next year just because he'd had the accolades. You know, as long as he had tested well, he was probably in line to get drafted coming out of Central. So I don't see him taking such a big risk necessarily and going up to play at Michigan unless, you know, there's a real strong belief that, that he can hang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a relevant point. You know, it's not like this is some... Um... You know, it's not Duncan Robinson here. It's it's uh, it's someone who probably could have made the league where he was, but he wants to improve his stock. He wants to play for, um, you know, bigger team and a bigger league. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, I know Michigan's track record with grad transfers is not perfect, but so far at the positions of need, it's been solid. Uh, you know, I know Blake O'Neill probably will never be forgiven for <laughs> the the you know trouble with yeah. the snap or whatever but it's I, he was a very good punter and and you know Jake Rudock obviously uh, basically saved that 2015 season uh, on a couple of occasions so yeah i mean i think if they both you know if they both wanted this to happen both Michigan and Dana there's probably something there 
and and I, just that's yeah. what I believe too. Not just for, not just to hype it up or to pat Michigan on the back for any move that they make. But in this case, I really do think that you know they think at the very least he could be a two deep guy. You know, yeah. Um, I don't think they'd have taken the taken this on in this instance. You know, in this situation, if they didn't believe it, because there were other defensive ends game. that they could have pursued. I mean, I don't know how many would have picked Michigan, but uh, you know they they needed they needed somebody, and this is who they picked, and so that's that's worth keeping in mind. And you know, it's all a guess, right? Every I mean, just like a recruit, you know, there's no you don't get to come back in October and be like, I knew this guy was no good. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's just kind right. of a weird weird way to go about life. Uh, but but <laughs> yeah, so. So we'll hear more, you know, I mean, uh, stick around. There, there may be some rumblings over about who's who's impressing, who's not. Um, but, you know, lots, lots, lots to come from our site this week. Coverage of the Juwan Howard press conference on Thursday, Michigan baseball and the NCAA tournament this weekend. Uh, we'll, I, at some point, Michigan's going to pursue for basketball. At least they're going to fill at least one scholarship spot. They've got a couple assistant coaching decisions to make so um, should be plenty of stuff whether it's football basketball or recruiting uh, lots to come over at the michiganinsider.com and michigan.247sports.com for steve lorenz i'm zach shaw this has been the wolverine 24 7 podcast hope you had fun hope you learned something see you next